Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. They should stop sending... Graham Souness to Aston Villa games because he's he's clearly not fucking watching them. <laughs> like, him and Patrice there tonight were talking about oh it was great to see it was great to see Jack Grealish running. He just has to do that every week now. Put in a performance like that every week. Jack Grealish has been doing that for the last five years. Hi guys, Jack Grealish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. Football, football, football. Oh my Christ. It is in a golden era. Aston Villa, Everton, and Leeds are just prancing around the Premier League, swinging their dicks. I don't want to hear about VAR or handballs. Football is amazing, lads. We're in an age where managers and coaches are going for the throats of each other. Unless their name is Scott Parker. Last year, for example, Villa go two up like he did there after 22 minutes and they try to close up shop. They try to just shut the game down and they end up losing the match 3-2. But teams know now, and Aston Villa especially, the two goals is no longer enough. As long as you're still fighting within a match, you have to just keep throwing punches. And Oh my God, it's amazing. I think Dean Smith there uh, talking to Sky afterwards, he said, when Jurgen Klopp says wow to you at the end, you know you've done something right. And... By God, they did something right, and they're doing something right all bloody season. So we're three games in, second in the league, with a game in hand, plus nine goal difference after three games. We've got a striker with five goals in six games, four starts. He's got a Premier League hat-trick, the perfect hat-trick tonight. Um, Liam, let's just start with Ollie Watkins, because we've got a striker. And it's funny, because we dug out an old WhatsApp message there that I... <laughs> <laughs> we can call it a WhatsApp whinge where um, I was panicking during the transfer window and I was saying, Ollie Watkins, Dean Smith is a small timer. <laughs> what an absolute disaster. Thank God I just used you for this. <laughs> yeah, thank God you haven't admitted that to anybody else, like on a podcast. Uh, no, he was he was brilliant and Christ did we call it in the first game. He, 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 was, he was quite good against... Uh, against Sheffield United, but we could just tell that there was a player in there. Like we said at the time, he was doing 
the right things and he was doing them at the right time. Ah, oh, he was he was absolutely incredible tonight. And the the three goals, yeah, it's the perfect hat trick. It's one was left, one was right, one of his head. But it's it's the way he took them all as well. I mean, the first one, Jack Grealish plays a bad pass. Like, you know, he has to step back to control it, but he just he has the composure to take the touch and then just put it into the net. You could just you could lash at that. And we were slightly worried. Was it last week when he was when he was getting angry because he wasn't scoring? And you can yeah. see why he was getting angry. Because he's obviously a brilliant goal scorer and he knows he is. So he was pissed off that he was missing the ball last week. Ah, he was he was ins- he was insanely good. And Jurgen Klopp said it in his interview as well. He, he said he was brilliant tonight and not just for the goals. And he's right. He was brilliant tonight. Well, well that's it. Like we mentioned his cushion head last week as well. Like <laughs> just how he, any single ball that comes up to him, he just cushions it down and it's it's unbelievable. Like I've never seen somebody take a sting out of a ball with a touch from their head as well as he does. Like no matter how high it is, how hard it's coming, he controls it with his head. But um we have to thank Adrian as well for getting him up and running, like with a, a terrible mistake to start off with. Um like that's that's everything Villa needed the striker to be handed a goal like that. He did really well, as you said, like it could have it could have panicked, somebody else might have hit her first time. Um and yeah, he talked afterwards. Sorry, go on. Oh, I was just gonna say it's it's so bad from Adrian. It's it's the wrong pass and it's and it's executed terribly as well. It's it was an absolute disaster from his perspective. Yeah, and then Wally Watkins more or less thanked him afterwards. He said after the first one, I got a bit of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Adrian. Um, he said should have scored more in the end, which is always great to hear. And then brilliantly, like because we're all probably a bit like we forgave him because he scored a hat trick, but he misses the one on one, and you're like, ah, oh, golly, and. Uh, he said, one on one with the keeper, I've got to be scoring that. Oh, That's that amazing here. Amazing. It was absolutely brilliant. I burst out laughing again, sitting in my apartment on my own, cheering at a laptop screen. It was, I was, yeah. it was such a such a nice thing to hear him say. And he genuinely looked upset mm. when he said it. He was almost apologizing. Well, let's talk about Ross Barkley, uh, the debut boy. Um, the, it was actually the omens were good all the signs were good to start off with before the game when Graham Sinner started talking and he started questioning his decision making and he brought out that old Graham Sinner's rant where he said he takes too many touches of the ball where have we heard that before that's right we heard Graham Sinner like Jack Grealish England's best player I think he called him last week he used the exact same phrase to describe Jack Grealish so I thought oh brilliant <laughs> Ross Barkley must be a player <laughs> yeah and we actually saw that that Ross Barkley's decision making is is impeccable tonight. Everything he did, he he did it well. He timed it well. The only thing that was missing was a bit of composure in front of goal. I mean, I mean, we we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Phyllis system where they're they're playing with the one high man and then they're playing lads running past the back four, and we talked about how difficult that is to defend against against. Like if you've got people running between the three gaps between the back four and it's timed right, it can't be defended. Particularly if you're so flat, like Liverpool were tonight, and we we mentioned that the the best chance you can give yourself is having your body positioning right. Liverpool's was atrocious for, for all four of them constantly. But if you time that run right, then it's 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 on all the time. And one way you can guarantee to time it right is if Jack really has the ball, you fucking go. Ross Barkley did that tonight. He saw Grealish on the ball and ran, and he was just through on goal five, six times maybe. It was, 
it was brilliant play. He was really aggressive in the tackle. I actually thought he looked a bit leaden at the start. I thought he was tracking back a bit. He looked a bit slow, and I was like, oh, Christ, is, is this why Chelsea have gotten rid of him? But, but that, that, that dissipated pretty quickly. Maybe he was just feeding his way into the game. But no, it was, it was a really encouraging start, apart from the repeated misses. Did you think for a second that Conan might have been right here about Danny Drinkwater syndrome? <laughs> Be honest. No, not 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 even not even a little bit because he was like I, one thing I always look for is are they doing the right thing, and then you can forgive them because the technique will come. Every professional footballer has got brilliant technique. Then the really top class professional footballers do the right things repeatedly, and Jack and Ross Barkley was doing that tonight. It was just his finishing that was letting him down. And he's a centre midfielder. You, you can forgive that. Mm. He, he's strong as well. Like That's that's the other thing. And to be honest, like I, he should have scored the first one, definitely. Like, he he did what Watkins didn't do. Like He sort of just hatched at it and panicked. Um, yeah. Bad finish from where he was. Like Greedy had just nutmegged Virgil van Dijk. Like, you know, yeah. deliberately put it straight through for him. And he, he panicked. The second one, I forgave him because I thought... I, I was thinking not, not to... like beat on Harahan for no reason but I was thinking he doesn't create that chance I just thought because Barkley is so strong and he held off Gomez mm. he, he ran on a bit further than another player might McGinn might have done it um, and you know I thought he, 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 he deliberately put the ball where he where he did put it obviously he wanted to go inside the post but I wasn't sort of hating on him for that I thought it was a, a chance that he created himself but not a not a golden chance no, it wasn't. It wasn't. And overall, he he was brilliant. He was he was really really good. A really encouraging debut. And like one of the best things is his link up there with Jack Grealish. So somebody hit me and they triggered me during the game when they sent me a WhatsApp saying, uh, "What was it? Oh, Ross Barkley has immediately elevated Jack Grealish." And I thought, "Hang on a fucking second. <laughs> you know, when I sent the usual stuff, you have never seen Jack Grealish play. He's playing the exact same way." But it turns out this guy agreed. He just, you know, because I the first thing I said was like he's just got an extra player who can control the ball on the pitch <laughs> or or make that run. And that guy agreed. Like you know, and that, that's like we're going to get into Jack Reedy's now. Like two goals, three assists, um, created that golden chance for for Ross Berkeley, created all those other chances. You saw the ball he played for Elmo there late on. And then, like, this was like Villa 7 2 up. <laughs> There's 87, 87 minutes on the clock. He's coming down the left and just whips with his instep on his right foot, whips it for Elmo, who's coming down at right back. And Elmo doesn't play it straight away when there's two people inside. Yeah. And you can see Grealish arriving late in the box, cracking up. But yeah. um, just before we get fully into Grealish, Jurgen Klopp was talking about him and he said, What a footballer, man. He gets the ball one on one and usually always creates a big chance. Couldn't put it better myself, Jurgen. No, absolutely not. Yeah, it was oh, Jack Grealish. There, there was a risk that I was beginning to sound crazy about four years ago, whenever I was telling people Jack Grealish is England's best player. Because you like these players are so rare. There's nothing that Jack Grealish can't do. He's an unbelievable footballer. He's absolutely elite, and. and you were say, I said to you he's the best Villa player in my in my lifetime anyway, and you started asking Gareth Barry, James Mill, like all like it's a completely different level. Jack Grealish is so good at football; it's it's heartbreaking. It's, it's like I, I can't watch him without getting emotional. You don't. He's just and he's he's so elegant, and every everything about him is just so aesthetically pleasing. 
He's, it's, it's inc- he's an incredible player. And yeah, two goals and, and three assists isn't too bad for somebody who doesn't see the picture quick enough. Well, that, that's it. Like, let's get into that. Because I, I actually, WhatsApp wins are obviously harder to come by when you score seven goals against Liverpool. But um, we still have some, don't worry. But I, I, I had Graeme Souness in, in that section, but we'll just, we'll just talk about it now. Because, um, like, just disgraceful. Like, Graeme Souness shouldn't be on. Like, I actually, there was a period there where I was liking Graeme Souness. I thought <laughs> he's bringing something different. Like, for me, sort of like Roy Keane, the... the the pundit doesn't always have to be bang on with their analysis. They can just bring someone to the dynamic of the group. Graeme Souness should never be on when there's only one other pundit with him, especially when that other pundit is Patrice Evra. Like, Dave Jones is a phenomenal presenter, and he can't even manage that scenario. It is it is terrible. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bad combination. But they should stop sending Graeme Souness to Aston Villa games because he's, he's clearly not fucking watching them. <laughs> Like, him and Patrice there tonight were talking about. Oh, it was great to see. It was great to see Jack Grealish running. He just has to do that every week now. Put in a performance like that every week. Jack Grealish has been doing that for the last five years. There's never any question about Jack Grealish's desire to play well for his boyhood club. Jack Grealish would do anything for Aston Villa. I, 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 it's it's so infuriating. They see an elegant player and they just assume. That he's lazy. It's it's the laziest analysis you can ever get. It, it it's it's really lazy, but like it's also it's really just so annoying because it's so wrong. Like it's it's pathetic how how wrong it is. You almost want them to be disciplined for it. Like it, even like we're talking about the last five years, and that's fair enough. Like if Graham Stunis doesn't understand that because he probably doesn't remember Jack Grealish ripping it up in the Premier League or Jack Grealish ripping his team Liverpool apart in the FA Cup semi-final five years ago um, and he probably didn't follow him through the championship but to not understand well A that Jack Grealish has done this obviously like all last season and he did it for the 10 games or the, the 13 games when he came back from injury and, and dragged Villa up to the Premier League to start off with to not even just connect that and see that well like actually he has been doing it for at least two years now is unbelievably bad. Like it, and it's actually, it's it's unforgivable. Like I would actually like to see somebody coming in there and just pulling them for it and saying like, "You're taking a week off. That's that's too lazy and it's too wrong." Um, yeah. But like, it, it, it was nearly as bad as his halftime conspiracy theory. <laughs> what was that? Talking about the grass, Aston Villa leaving the grass too long. <laughs> that, that's how he, he must have gone off to take a shit, pal. At <laughs> halftime, Graham Souness said, Aston Villa looked like they haven't cut the grass here. <laughs> really, really top teams want the grass to be short. <laughs> it was it, it, it was nearly, nearly as bad as not recognising Jack Grealish's ability. I mean, even if, you're, if, if you watch that game, Jack Grealish's finish for goal number seven, yeah, goal seven, it was so disgustingly beautiful <laughs> that... You can't, you can't, you can't question that player afterwards. Even if you think, even if you think he's lazy, you can't. You're going to lose all respect from the viewers at home if yeah. you say after somebody does that running through on goal. Like how embarrassing is that for Adrian? Like Carragher said it. It's even the finish. It's like a kids' game. Like Jack Grealish is a player who can do that. So shut the fuck up and talk about how good a footballer he is. <laughs> 
that's it. So out of keeping with the tone as well, like Villa have just beaten the champions seven two. Like they, they annihilated them like on the scoreboard and could have scored more every time they attacked. They went through on goal. They missed big chances. Did like to be honest, I was disappointed they didn't score in the last fifteen minutes. I was actually thinking, is that is that bad? The Villa haven't haven't gotten a goal. Like they taken the foot off the pedal here. They ripped them apart and. Afterwards, there, like, yeah, you're, they're talking about the bloody grass at half time. They're talking about Greedish having to do this every week afterwards, and yeah, like, it, it's it's it, oh, it, it was it was slagging, um, not slagging Ollie Watkins, but he said after a game, this guy scored a hat trick against Liverpool, a first half hat trick. He says, uh, it's very early days, wouldn't be getting excited. And so he, <laughs> He <laughs> brings that into every like, why, why the fuck wouldn't Villa not get excited about beating Liverpool 7 2 and winning three games in a row? They're nine points off relegation because he seemed to be. Sorry, I don't mean to like playing down those ambitions now, but he seemed to be hinting at the fact that uh, just because teams are going bad at the minute doesn't mean they're going to stay down there, sort of giving Villa a bit of a threat. You know, yeah. by the way, Liverpool are fifth now, mate, because Villa just knocked them out of the Champions League spot. Yeah, sure, I made the bold prediction. After we beat Fulham, Villa are in the Champions League places, never to be dislodged. You also made the bold prediction that Liverpool were going to hammer us this weekend as well. But I'm not going to say that. that was that was hedging my bet, Batsmith. Well done, that. Just finally, before we get into some analysis on the game, what? Where's the limit here? To be honest, because you sent me a WhatsApp. I think it was today earlier on, and it was just a message with a, a picture that said, "What the fuck is this?" And it was Villa's fixtures that were coming up. And <laughs> Liverpool next, Leicester in the 17th, Leeds, Southampton, Arsenal, and you're like, oh, bollocks. Like, what, what the fuck is that? Um, but where, like, now you start to look at it differently. You've already got three points on the board from those five games. You can beat Liverpool like that. Like, do, do, do the ambitions change a little bit? Yeah, and we're we're both huge Dean Smith fans, obviously, and we were talking about, you know, what system was he gonna play this season and we we guessed or we and we recognised that Dean Smith will will pick systems to suit the teams he's playing against while sticking to his normal philosophy of you know, somewhere in around the four three three. Um but if Dean Smith can identify the flaws in other teams as clearly as he did tonight if he can stick to the quick passing, keeping the ball, trying to score goals, Villa will Villa will win two or three of those next four games. But it was it was so encouraging tonight that uh, yeah, we absolutely have to. I, I regret sending that message, and I'd like to apologise. <laughs> well, do you know what though? You teed up uh, some match analysis really well, so we'll get into that after this. Roy Keane thinks Scott Parker is a dweeb. <laughs> in one single moment, your whole life can turn round. Stand there for a minute, staring straight into the ground. Looking to Roy Keane thinks everybody's a dweeb. The world feels like it's caved in, proper sorry frown. Please let me show you where we could only just be for us. I, I just thought every time he cut back from Parker being interviewed, for some reason he was being interviewed two or three times before the game, and uh, he's talking shit obviously, and, <laughs> and every time he cut back it looked like Roy Keane was holding in a laugh, and it looked like you know Carragher had that little knowing look that he has sometimes, you know when he knows what somebody's laughing at or whatever. Yeah. Like, he's a proper football bloke 
you know, and he, he tries to pretend that he's intelligent as well, so then pretentious football writers can get behind him. Scott and Roy Keane, just, that's absolute fodder for Roy Keane, you know, he, he, he snuffs that out immediately, he hates bullshit, and you're right, he hates Scott Parker. Like, even at the end of that game, the story isn't fucking Scott Parker. The camera's on Scott Parker's face. Aston Villa have just climbed into the Champions League places, never to be dislodged. That's the story. It's not fucking Scott Parker getting spanked again. So Jurgen Klopp said afterwards, and I think he was pretty bang on, he said Aston Villa did really well, but it looked really easy in the end because we did really bad. I think that probably sums it up. I do think, and, and Klopp, in fairness, talked about Villa forcing them into all the mistakes that they made, so he wasn't trying to do a Frank Lampard on it. You know, <laughs> Frank, Frank Lampard comes out and he says, well, if we didn't make those 17 mistakes, we would have won. <laughs> um, Klopp wasn't doing that. Obviously, Liverpool weren't good. Um, Ollie Watkins said afterwards, we saw how high they play. Um, the game plan was to try and get in behind them. That was very obvious. And just very interesting. Like, you remember Klopp came out after the Arsenal game and he was like, did Mr. Keane say we were sloppy? He was like, yeah. You were sloppy, mate, and Mr. Keane has aged very well because Klopp went on. Obviously, it was a bit defensive. I think it was a bit of a tactic anyway, just to try and bat down the media, maybe do a bit of a Fergie on it, um, yeah. put Keane in his place. It was entertaining, but he went on in that same interview and he talked about the deliberate high line they were playing. Carragher touched on it a lot tonight, and Klopp mentioned Bayern Munich as well. Um, obviously, it makes a pitch smaller if, you, if you're pressing and you can bring your, your defenders up as well, but Villa, Villa just attacked that, and they attacked it with... A change in formation. So you mentioned the four-three-three that they have been playing so far this season. It was a clear four-two-three-one uh, tonight with Ross Barkley playing off the striker. Um, and I think, yeah, that was that was just a brilliant, a brilliant move from Villa because it sort of attacked Fabinho. He didn't really get into the game, and it also let them break a lot easier. And he saw Barkley being so prominent in the match. It was it was a it was a brilliant decision from Dean. I mean, we talked about the the runners breaking the lines, which makes Liverpool, it was almost a bit disrespectful as well because it was clear that that's a tactic from Villa is to play off Ollie Watkins' incredible uh, ball holding up skills and to use John McGinn's deep running as a tactic they've been using that. So Liverpool should have been a bit more prepared for that. But yet, um, Aston Villa's tactics were were brilliant and it was it was a nice change. They they were clearly focused on the opposition. They overloaded their left hand side and we talked about this as well that there was a potential. Like we were, we were worried about Salah and Trent Alexander yeah. Arnold coming down that side, and Villa. They ended up being a bit exposed on the other side. So I wonder, did they change whenever Manny was injured or got the coronavirus earlier this week? Did they change and think, okay, we'll we'll focus on the other side because Yota's not the same as as Manny, yeah. obviously, and Barkley and Grealish and Target and McGinn were all over on the left a lot more than than they were over on the right, and it left Trezeguet and Cash a bit exposed. But um, it also it allowed Target to stay back as well so that he could focus on Salah. Salah scored two goals. Neither of them were anything to do with Target, really. Um, but, you know, no, it was, it was brilliant. It was, it was a, good, a good innovation on a, on a solid system that he's got in place now. 
Well, you mentioned Salah's two goals. Like, they actually reminded me the way you were talking about Jack Grealish there, his finish. Like, that's that was Salah. Like, he wasn't in the game much, but just when he got two chances, he, he buried them with pure conviction. Like, just he's become a well, obviously, he already has been the last two years, but just a brilliant finisher. You know, if he gets a chance, he's going to put it away. But the, what, what the 4 2 3 1 did as well with um, Douglas Louise and John McGinn obviously holding the midfield, it was it. It let them sort of yeah try and cover those fullback areas. I know it was still a bit exposed on Matty Cash's side. Andy Robertson did really well. I think Trevi didn't cope with him too well. Now Robertson's obviously a brilliant left back, but that like just having those two holding midfielders, whilst it might seem more attacking that you're playing Ross Barkley further forward, it actually it let you just cover more of those channels. And I think Watkins mentioned trying to cut off their passing channels as well. Yeah, and ordinarily when you play. The four two three one is so that your your two wingers don't have to do as much covering back. But when you're yeah. playing against the best or one of the best teams in Europe, you do have to sacrifice that a bit. And even even though Jack Grealish doesn't like to get back, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I, I I said before as well the on in the four three three system when you've got McGinn, Trezeguet, and Cash, it looks a lot more solid defensively. And I, I I'm I'm coming back in that now. Trezeguet. Trezeguet's not a good defender. <laughs> I was, I was, I was misunderstanding his desire to run and get up and down the pitch as a, as good defensive cover. He was absolutely atrocious tonight. He was all over the place. He didn't know where to go, where to come. It was, it was a terrible performance defensively from Trezeguet. But even even Liverpool's two goals, they got really lucky. The Villa won the ball both times in the middle of the pitch, and it popped out to a Liverpool player both times. So like both the goals came from Liverpool counter attacking a Villa counter attack essentially, and mm. like you know both of them started off really fortuitously, but like that didn't really matter in the end. We scored seven. Yeah, like the Trezeguet thing is interesting. You're right. I had the exact same thought. Like you know, I did sort of misunderstand his working hard for somebody who could defend. Like just yeah. so many times. Robertson just caught inside him or went outside him like like he wasn't even there. Like, you know, we talked about Villa making Adrian look like a, a child. Like it was just get out of my way, you pest. That was sort of sort of it. And like it, it always like seemed to really catch Trezeguet by surprise as well that Robertson Robertson would change direction. Um he did but like typical, like we're we're, we're comparing the environment a lot over the last few weeks. There's a couple of moments where it was like Ah, give him a bit of respect, like and he whipped in an amazing ball for Watkins, um, who hit the crossbar as well. That was a that was a tasty, tasty ball, whipped right around the defence. And Watkins, Watkins did really well. I think he said he should have scored as well, hit the bar. He's reaching out, diving mm-hmm. for the ball. Um, but let's talk about Watkins' second goal, like because that was that was a cracker. Like, do you know what I love? It obviously shows the potential and the belief that the the coaching staff have in him. Every time he gets the ball, no matter what the scenario is, you can hear them all. And this is the beauty of not having a crowd. You can hear them all. Going, go on, Ollie, go on. And, and they're like just urging him to just go take the man on. And like, it's probably that they know that McGinn and Grealish and whoever else will catch up at some stage. Um, but this time he just kept going and he made, he made Gomez look like a, a twat, to be honest. Oh, he did, yeah. It was, it, to begin with, it's incredible from Jack. The the touch on the wing from the dropping ball is, is brilliant. The, the one, two, and the pass from Jack Grealish is, is, is brilliant again. But the best thing about that goal was whenever Jack Grealish wins the ball, Ollie Watkins can smell a goal. Yeah. So he gets the ball from Grealish. And this is obviously because they worked on it as well. And it comes back to Jack and, and Ollie Watkins goes. He's 50 yards from goal. And he thinks, I'm in here. 
it's, it's, it's just a brilliant thing to see from a Villa team that were so reserved for the last 15 games last season. And he does so well when he gets the ball back. Makes Gomez, as you said, look like a fool and force him to be subbed. There was one stage where there was another high ball and one of those cushioned headers we were talking about where he, like he, he just looked like he sat on top of Gomez and just cushioned the header back. Again, it went to nobody. I think it went to James Milner. But it was just, he just bullied Gomez and it, it started with that goal. It was... It was brilliant, unbelievable finish as well. Here, let's talk. We did it. We did a bit about Barkley already, but um, the big thing about Hurahan being missing and it's something that we were worried about. I think I I posed this to you. It was like, do we not already have a good middle three? And um, are we going to be missing Hurahan's set pieces? Are Barkley's set pieces as good as Connor Hurahan's? Because we got two goals out of them. Amazing ball for the for Watkins's hat trick actually. So he whipped it right around the back post, sort of like you would see Hurahan do, and it came across and. Trezeguet put it across, I think. Respect Trezeguet. And uh, Watkins put it away of his head. Um, his set pieces are, are something to look out for as well. Yeah, his set pieces were great. Um, I think the goal just before that as well was uh, from a, a good Ross Barkley corner that that they've failed, Liverpool failed to deal with and it came out to McGinn. But the yeah. free kick is brilliant. And this is what I said. So you're looking for people to, to do the right thing. Whenever Liverpool are playing that high a line, that's the ball to play. And he can see that. He, he knows that's on. And Villa are standing ready to run past that line. So if he hits that at the right time, it's on all day. And if you can see, if a player identifies that, the technique was brilliant. It was a great ball. Mings does incredibly well to leave it. And as you said, yeah, Trezeguet actually controls the cross brilliantly. But it was just, it was, it was terrible from Liverpool. And it's just brilliant to see a clever player identifying that and then executing it. It's, it's, it's what you want to see from your players. Does does any of you feel a little bit uh, like like it takes away a little bit from the performance that it was three deflections of those no of seven goals so they still would have won four two if they didn't have the deflections um, maybe you're going to get one or two of those deflections anyway the Jack Grealish one especially seemed like your luck was going for you just the way that was a terrible shot from him it looked like he completely mishit it it was going high and wide and it just it just just inside the post, like it could have another inch and it wouldn't have gone in. It was like, oh, this is our night. Okay, well, like, yeah, and Barclays was a terrible shot and a terrible decision to take the shot on as well. Um, but McGinn's was a brilliant strike. Oh, yeah. So, like, you know, fuck that. Villa destroyed Liverpool. Ross Barkley <laughs> missed three one on ones. Ollie Watkins missed a one on one. Ollie Watkins hit the crossbar. Villa and Dean Smith deserved those goals. Like Villa, that was a 7-2 victory. There's no doubt about it. Villa deserved to score seven goals tonight, whether it came through deflections or whether it it came from the five or six other clear-cut chances they created. Fuck that. Villa, Villa won that game 7-2 on merit. Well, well, here's one somebody said to me as well. This isn't really analysis, but um, they posed the question that Villa winning seven two. Does it almost take the gloss off the scoreline? <laughs> if you know what I mean, because you're right. Villa completely dominated the match. It was a near perfect performance. It being seven two makes it look abnormal, like you know something weird happened, rather than just Villa winning four nil or three nil, or you know something that just suggests that they completely dominated the match. Now this is stupid because he won by five goals. He scored seven goals, um, but it does look a little freakish, doesn't it? Well, something freakish did happen. Jurgen Klopp is one of the best managers in the world, and Dean Smith made him look like a fool tonight. Like, 
there's two really confusing things. Klopp does nothing to counteract what has been a clear system of play for Villa this year. And he does nothing to understand his own frailties to that system that Dean Smith is playing. It, it's almost like he hasn't bothered watching Villa this year and he just mm. got eaten alive. Now, Klopp can do very little about how flat-footed his defenders were. Like yeah. Klopp's, Klopp's not coaching him to stand square to every ball. He, he's not doing that. But it, like they, they were so bad and there was no reaction either from the bench or in the game. And Jamie Carragher mentioned this. Van Dijk has to pull them all back. They're getting destroyed. Yeah. You have to come back. After that first goal, then Liverpool should have, should have stepped off and just controlled the game again. But they never... They never recovered their composure. When, when you can when you can see the goal, the worst thing you can do is just to go hell for leather to try and get an equaliser. Yeah, it, it, it was it was bizarre. It was a bizarre performance from Liverpool. You're right because that was actually that was a theme of the game. So obviously the first half, the Villa were amazing. The first twenty minutes, first twenty two minutes, like they deserved to go two 0 up. They they destroyed them. Liverpool, I don't know what they were expecting from them, and actually. I wonder how much maybe Klopp underestimated them a little because he, he he did mention last week, you know, Villa are flying, but it's like, is that just a token Villa are flying? And yeah, they beat Fulham, so what? Uh, but then they, they woke up. Liverpool were in, like, they were in much control of the, the rest of that half, even though Villa scored two more goals. But Liverpool, every time they attacked, they looked like they could get through. Um, and if they didn't just panic and try to keep pushing up and try to keep nicking ball back, that just suited Villa then because Villa... And Klopp mentioned it, but again, you're right. Why did he not address that? He said every time they won the ball back, they got a counter attack, and it's like, right, yes, because of the way you're playing, like you, you would, like you would control this game. Villa won't score an all goal probably if you just sat back a little bit more, invited them on a little bit more, maybe, and you'll still control seventy percent of the match and probably have more chances than you had. Yeah, absolutely, and but like the, the Villa midfield is was almost a prototype, except inverted, of the Liverpool midfield. You know, it was it was all energy, all power, and yeah. they they didn't they didn't react to that pressure. It's almost like no one's pressed Liverpool before, but they've been they've conceded three goals against Leeds this year. Like, like being an incredible team for three years in a row is very difficult, and it's very rarely done. Alex Ferguson has done it a few times for Manchester United. Nobody else, no other manager has managed to do it. Pep Guardiola couldn't keep it going. Jurgen Klopp this season, a lot of questions to be answered. It's only it's only three games, but as Roy Keane said, four games to Liverpool actually, they made a lot of sloppy mistakes, and that comes when you win too much. Like Van Dijk made an absolute howler against Leeds. Andy Robertson had an absolute howler in their uh, game against Arsenal, and then tonight, everybody in the pitch was just not at it. It was. It's bizarre, but it's it's very hard to keep going three years in a row. And I wonder, are we starting to see the early signs of that? Now, don't play this back to me at the end of the season whenever Liverpool get ninety eight points again. <laughs> no, I would. I think we all still understand that Liverpool are by far the best team in the league. But they did get beat seven two tonight. So if there are any Liverpool fans tuning in, we're not completely writing Liverpool off. We're analysing the game that they got destroyed in. That's fair enough. I don't. I don't need to qualify this. I don't know. <laughs> Especially because there's no fucking Liverpool fans tuning in. <laughs> maybe they want to know maybe they want some honest analysis of what happened maybe. Um, but like yeah I, you're, it's actually a good point you made there Isaiah Thomas the former Detroit Pistons NBA legend um, talked about winning teams before like you know teams who who have won championships and then the problem he calls it the disease of more everybody mm. 
like you know the, the players who were all part of a system and it all worked so well now like suddenly you know like for example Salah wants more goals than Manny like that's not like, it's not a good example because that works well for Liverpool but um I, I keep pandering to Liverpool fans who aren't here <laughs> but like you know it, it is like people can take their foot off the gas people want a bit more acclaim themselves it's just they're not naturally doing what was working for them beforehand because they've already done it two years in a row um and it is extremely hard to keep that going like we don't need to don't need to labor that point Villa have won seven two and coming up next we've got some believe it or not whatsapp wins <laughs> Trezegui has lost his belly. <laughs> Full stop. That's uh, the only thing I can say to that is I'm surprised you could tell because I didn't realize Trezegui was playing. So I didn't see him on the pitch, so I don't know how you didn't see his belly. <laughs> Okay, what's up, Winges? Um, I'm just going to start. Let's see where we go here. I had a few thoughts. It's funny, like what a weird game. I couldn't, I couldn't enjoy that match until it was seven two. I, I, it wasn't. It was. I feel like I need to watch it again and just sit back and relax. It wasn't one part of me that thought this is enough. We haven't scored enough. <laughs> oh Christ! So to that to that end, the first uh, WhatsApp Winge. Would you take a draw now? Can you guess what the score was and when that was? Oh, fucking hell. Given it's you, I would say after Salah got a second, 5-2. Do you know what, Liam? It was two minutes before Salah got a second. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have the evidence. I, I did say, like, I'm not sending you my wings anymore. I'm sending them off to somebody else. And uh, said I would take a draw now. Five goals against Liverpool. We played well against the champions and we got a point. Move on with confidence to the next game. <laughs> Christ <laughs> almighty. And that was in the 58th minute. Salah scores in the 60th. And then, of course, I'm sitting sort of smartly then going, I told you, what do you think of that? <laughs> uh, I think you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> next one. We sort of already touched on this. The next person who ever questions Jack Grealish in any way, I'm going to point him in their stupid face. Yeah, I mean, I've I've still got the tears on my eyes from earlier on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I was lauding Jack Grealish, so I don't I don't know if I have anything else to add. There's there's nothing else to add. He's amazing. Um, next one's a bit more negative. So it was obviously it was a roller coaster of a. <laughs> was no way a roller coaster. <laughs> But it was in my in my heart. Um, Ross Barkley is a twat. Oh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I was really pissed off when he missed uh, the first chance at 1-0. Um, Jack released all so well to play him through as well. And it's, it's, a, it's a big chance. And he, he fucks it up. And we, we had just scored a goal so similar to that. So perhaps in hindsight, I could have been thinking... This is gonna, this is gonna keep happening. Liverpool are, are not doing anything. They're not reacting. But yeah, I, I was thinking he was a fucking twat as well. 
And just like when Liverpool got more dominant, when he got the goal, especially, it just kept coming back to him going, you absolute asshole. Like, why did you not just put that away? We're going to pay for this. And then obviously we got a lot more, a lot more chances as we went. Um, I actually have two more Ross Barkley ones. Is Ross Barkley fast? (laughs) I think maybe... Maybe in comparison to the first couple of minutes of the match, he was fast later on because I was actually worried about his fitness. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, Ross Barkley, Ross Barkley is quick, and this is this is the thing. I think I think we the, the pattern we've identified with Graham Souness is that he doesn't understand centre midfielders who are mobile and good at dribbling. So he he assumes they're doing something wrong. They're not. They're just not fucking hatchet jobs in the middle of the pitch, like Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> <laughs> He probably thinks Kevin De Bruyne is playing right wing. Yeah. Taking too much out of the ball. Too many touches. Uh, not seeing the picture quickly enough. But yeah, the, the Barkley thing is... Um, I, I don't know how fast he is. He's definitely, he's definitely not slow. He, he's so big. It's almost deceptive. It doesn't look like he's moving that fast. But he's, he's eating up a lot of ground and people can't catch him. Yeah, he's a big unit. He's a big unit. There was a... Who was it he was running back with? It was was it Milner towards the end? And it was just he just went past him. It was embarrassing. I know Milner's an old fella, but it was it was really stark how easily he got he got past him. You know, he's a big unit, he's powerful, and it was, it was a really, really encouraging debut, except for Connor Hurrahan. Yeah. I, I um I think he's one of these boys as well. He's fast on the ball. Like, you know, players who are fast on the ball, and they're maybe not flyers off the ball, but, uh, like, he dribbles with the ball really well. It's just, I suppose, he's just somebody with, with good control, exactly like Jack Grealish. Yeah. Remember Barkley did the 5K during lockdown? Everyone was doing their 5Ks, and uh, he, he broke 16 minutes. He beat James McLean's time, and it was like, oh, what the fuck? Like, Ross Barkley is flying. He's put everyone to shame. And then, and then everyone thought they had someone on him because he realized it. He was taking a brick each one k, and they mm. were like, what, "What an absolute lazy so and so!" Like you know, he, he can't run to save his life, and it's like, do you realize how fast he was doing those one kilometer runs? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if anybody would try and go out and and do a five or a one k run in three minutes or three minutes ten or whatever it was he was doing, come back to me and see how you feel. Like he was like that is power for three minutes that he was doing. Yeah, yeah. And it's power mixed with intelligence, mixed with technical ability. He's a, yeah. he's a good player. He's not Danny Drinkwater. <laughs> well, that's one. Do you think after beating Liverpool 7-2, Ross Barkley will cheer the fuck up? <laughs> oh, Christ. Now, is this relating to his on-pitch demeanour or his pre-match post-signing interview? <laughs> Everything, like there's, there's three, there's actually three elements that you're right. So on pitch demeanor, um, his interview, <laughs> and his social media posts were just like happy to join Villa for a season. <laughs> you know, like chuff or buzzing or delighted. Give me a different like a word, but um, just couldn't even pretend to be in any way happy to be here. And then like. Yeah, starting off the game, just sort of like, I was like, oh, I started thinking this is somebody who doesn't want to be here. Maybe he's good. But then it was like Villa scored a goal and they scored another goal and they scored another goal. And I thought he started to he started to come around to the idea. Jesus, maybe this is all right. Maybe this is better than life under Frank Lampard. <laughs> ah, yeah. Like, he said only to join Villa for a year. He'll be there for a five-year contract whenever they're in the Champions League. 
he we talked about this we talked about this on Thursday he there's like a very perilous position if he if he if he does really well and doesn't get Villa to the Champions League then he's probably going to go he needs to get to the Champions League to stay or like top six maybe or something like that he needs to know that they're we can't have Ross Barkley being fucking amazing for a season and Villa finishing 12th <laughs> Um, no, like Villa are going to finish between between tenth and fourteenth. That's what's happening this year. And Ross Barkley isn't going back to Chelsea, so Villa are either going to sign him or he's going to go somewhere else. But he's not going back to Chelsea. And you're putting your faith in the Seth Sirius? That's it. Well, he hasn't he hasn't let us down this summer anyway. He has not. It's been bloody amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up, we got some categories. I've got a new category, Liam, in the spirit of positivity. Uh, this is a good one. The Tim Sherwood We Played Two Number Tens and Bamboozled Them Award. <laughs> so, um, obviously, everybody, they must remember this Tim Sherwood's press conference after the Liverpool semi-final 2015 FA Cup. They won 2-1. And remember the team news dropped and like Bonnehor wasn't there and I was like, oh, for God's sake, because Villa were playing really well up to that point. That's when they stayed up that season. A great run from Sherwood. And they had a diamond formation. Grealish was playing off like Bonnehor and Benteke. And like Bonnehor was obviously so important for stretching teams as well. So once he saw he wasn't playing, and not only that, they put in in Zogbia, you were like, oh, what? And then <laughs> it worked. They played two number 10s, they played a 4-3-2-1, and Sherwood came in giddy into the press conference, couldn't <laughs> wait, couldn't wait to tell everyone, he was shaking, he was he was looking around the room to see, he's all listening, we played two number 10s, we bamboozled them. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, what a fucking twat. <laughs> Still have fond memories of it, but um, yeah, so obviously this is an award for good management decisions, so we, we do enough slagging. We've got the Glenn Whelan hitting the 90th minute penalty award, so it's only right to have the Tim Sherwood. We played two number 10s in Bamboozledom Award, and yeah, we made in the four two three one. I think, like you said, that's a good point you made about the inverted sort of three midfield, just matching up with Liverpool's three. Like Villa played in a way that just... That, that that just attacked Liverpool. Like, yeah, they set their team up specifically for this match, and they won seven two. Yeah, to, to go toe to toe with that system that has run riot both across Europe and across England. Like, to it's like literally taking a step forward. You know, whenever someone's confronting you, rather like I'm not backing down. They stepped into it. It was mm. it was so encouraging. And imagine being those three midfielders tonight. And we know they're brilliant. We we know Ross Barkley's a very good player. We love Dougie and we love McGinn. But imagine imagine being told tonight you're going out there and you're going to dominate Liverpool. Yeah, you're going to dominate the most feared team in Europe tonight. That's our tactic. That like what what a confidence boost to get out there and do it. Yeah, brilliant. It was it was brilliant. Yeah, there, there, there's three nominations here. They're all sort of touching on the same thing because Villa's. The Phyllis tactic tonight that their their execution was phenomenal. So um, the other one is exposing Liverpool's uh, offside trap. I don't know what you call it a trap. It was a mess to be honest. Um, just finding that those weaknesses and, and getting at them. Like even if maybe even exposing Gomez as well. Like you know you mentioned Watkins. Like it's, 
the top strikers you'll hear Troy Deeney talk about it openly and he's not a top striker but he's a good one um but you know going after the weakest defender like that's mm. what Watkins did on Gomez when he ran at him when he was looking for a high ball he was looking for it off him um Philly exposed in that trap was definitely a good one and the final one I have you can pick up on either of these but uh it's just Ross Barkley playing off the striker because we had talked about Barkley playing in a middle three and playing on the left and how would that work? And we had talked about him potentially playing in Trezeguet's position, where it's a bit wider, but also coming centrally. But like Villa changed the formation and played Barkley just straight up as a number 10. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Ali Watkins picking on Gomez. He's going to have a big decision to make when he comes up against Man United. Because um, <laughs> they're, they're a fucking shambles. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, like and they like we we called it pretty pretty accurately with Ross Barkley and it, it worked so well. Um, the Liverpool offside we covered this a bit and we talked about they're not being able to see that Villa were set up to run past teams, but just one one other thing on it, like yeah, as I said, Klopp can't legislate for his players not not adjusting their bodies, but even the players not doing that so. You can you normally stay up. We've all played offside traps before. If you're bad enough to be playing in the fullback line, and you you have to you have to you step forward and you almost stay there to, to trick the the linesman to make to make them think that you know that guy's miles offside. Look how far beyond me he's gone. Yeah, but you don't have to do that anymore. There's, <laughs> there's video analysis. Offside is being decided by fractions of seconds, so you can mm. afford to start running back immediately. Because it's gonna, they're gonna be found out if they're offside. You're, you're, yeah. There's no, there's no psychology involved anymore. Just get fucking back. Just, Ross Barkley's run past you eight times. Respond to it. <laughs> well, that's it. Like it probably we 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 talked about Ross Barkley being fast. You know, but he's, he's not like Bonnehor. It's not like Bonnehor against a pair murder sacker. Like he always oh, did like, against Arsenal. Gomez and Van Dijk are fucking rapid. Yeah. So like like exactly like respond to it or just change like you step back and just yeah stop letting Ross Barkley run past you like you're you're probably faster than him. Yeah, it it's a strange it's a strange enough tactic as well because yeah you can afford to play a high line whenever you've got really fast defenders, but when you've got really fast defenders, you also don't have to play the offside trap. Yeah. You're gonna win the ball anyway. You're gonna get there before Ollie Watkins because you're much faster than him. I think I'm going to give it to the four-two-three-one because I like what you said there as well by telling the three midfielders they go out and, and dominate the, the opposing three midfielders, Champions League winners and the and the like in the Premier League winners. So um and just yeah th- that helped the execution of everything that that was part of the the Ross Barkley plan. It was part of exposing Liverpool's trap as well. So I'm going to give it to that just that bit of uh, tactical flexibility uh, in bamboozling Liverpool. So. <laughs> Fair play. The Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. I think there's only two nominations here, but it's just a case of what was worse, Adrian's pass or Martinez's pass. What, they're so similar. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, they're both of them. It's like, both, both, neither of them should have been played, and both of them were played behind the player for some reason. Yeah, and you actually see goalkeepers do that a lot. It's it's a no-look pass to try and, you know, confuse the person who's pressing them, but, like, Oh, I don't know. I I would say I'd say Martinez's was worse because he's already seen Adrian do it, <laughs> and he's doing it to he's doing it to Mings. But Salah's already going. Salah's already closing down Mings. So yeah. it was it was 
it was doubly bad for Martinez, I think. Yeah, no, I agree with that. We'll give him the award. I, like, Martinez needs to, like, he's great with his feet. He's cool under pressure. Like, he'll find tight passes, but he, he does need to respect his uh, long passing ability as well. He's, he, like, he always, he does really well chipping it out to the wing. Like, it's, it's never a bad ball out to the wing. He'll always give the fullback or the winger a chance to, to head it on to somebody else. Like, you know, so when he needs to do that, he should do it more because he usually, he usually needs that. Yeah. The the best thing about Martinez in that game, though, apart from his repeated excellent goalkeeping, was uh, just before halftime, um, he made a really good save. I think it was from Jada. And uh, he got up, and then there was another shot, and he caught it at the crossbar. Yeah. And he held it up to the crossbar. I want to and need to believe that he was trolling Nyland with that. <laughs> I am the anti Nyland, everyone. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, that was some juxtaposition from that mess. Yeah. <laughs> it was um, yeah, well, congratulations, Martinez. You have won the Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. The Vimin Meter, I Can Never Hate You Award, is what it was once called. I've got three nominations here, so um, you can tell me what you think of them, or you can add more to it if you want. Douglas Louise, I think he's been on this meter before. He's going up. He's going up again, um, always playing well, always working hard, always in the right place. And he was definitely in the right place when Villa were 1-0 up and he blocked Nabi Keita on the line, just straight into the into the balls, basically. Um, just got in the right place, the right time, read, read how the play was breaking, read what was going to happen next, and he and he blocked it. Um, yeah, Douglas Louise going up again. Yeah, I, for Liverpool's... First goal, um, Jamie Carragher has a go with Dougie. He's he's calling him out for stepping out, but he's in a really, really tricky situation. I think, as I said, you know, Cash wins the ball and then it, it goes into another tackle and it kind of pops out and it falls for the Liverpool player. Mm. And then all of a sudden, Dougie's, Dougie's three on one essentially, and he decides to go. In hindsight, it's not the smartest move. He probably should have just tucked inside and, you know, waited for the cavalry but you know it's, it's a really bad position he's in and he takes the the worst of a couple of bad options that he had so i'd forgive him for that no he was very good and that block was really important cash also fell on his arse as well which didn't help the situation <laughs> i think i think he thought he was stumbling and then cash just kept falling down yeah. <laughs> it looked like he thought he was stumbling so he could come in and help pressure the ball and cash's fall just kept going <laughs> and Louise, by the time he'd taken that step, it was, yeah, it was too late. It was in behind. But you're right, he should have held the line. But um, he's still going up nonetheless. Tyrone Mings, um, obviously, doesn't have much more room, scope to be going up. But I uh, liked his Ryan Giggs, Maisie run down the right uh, in the first half. He was right on the touchline. He was getting tackled twice. Like, he sort of evaded two tackles as he knocked the wall in front of, front of whoever was coming in on him. He gave it to Trezeguet and continued his run on into the box. And Trezeguet, instead of going for the three ball on into him, he just tried one of his low crosses across the box and Van Dijk controlled it and Liverpool came back out. Um, and then Mings also was further up. He took a back heel off Trezeguet, tried to whip one in for Watkins. At a very bad cross, in fairness. I thought of that with Robertson. That's on Watkins' nuts right now. Mm. Um, but yeah, like Mings is doing, is doing well and I'm, I'm putting moving up on the Vyman. Yeah, and... I'm starting to think that Dean Smith has talked a lot about 
it being a new squad last year and they needed to get used to the Premier League, I'm really starting to think that he was talking about Kanza and Tyrone Mings. Because hmm. he said the the improvement over lockdown was that they, you know, they were able to take a take a step back and reassess some things and you know get talking to the players on a one on one basis and it gave the players a bit of an opportunity to reset and get you know to think about the Premier League a bit more. And Kansa and Mings have been so good since that time. We know how good Villa have been defensively and okay last season towards the end of it everybody was back so it covered it a lot. But Christ Almighty having those two back there and we and we guessed this at the start of the season as well that having those two back there really frees up the rest of the team because they're so good at defending they're so fast that it, it really allows you to play in a different way to how they were playing last year and Mings and Konza have been absolutely brilliant bang on there's a bit of swagger about them and that's sort of feeding through the rest of the team and Martinez is obviously helping helping them and helping the rest of it that's one going up Matt Target <laughs> had, a, had a good game. He had a good game and he had a lot of help. I, I said this at the start, like the Villa Villa packed that side of the pitch, and you can understand why they, they did it. And it wasn't just because Matt Target was there; it was because Liverpool are, are so strong down that side. Um, he was good. Oh yeah, he was he was solid. He, it, yeah, he was he was he was fine. Yeah, that's all he needed to go up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, questions we can't answer, but probably will. How would Burnmouth be doing in the Premier League now? <laughs> oh god. Is Eddie Howe still there? <laughs> um yeah, he probably is because he kept them up. Oh yeah, fair enough. Um Absolutely terribly. Um, so they played. They played Sheffield United first. They played Fulham and they played uh, Liverpool tonight. Yeah, well, Callum Wilson isn't getting isn't getting uh, John Egan sent off in the first game. <laughs> Jack Grealish isn't controlling isn't controlling the game for Burnmouth, is he? Um, no, Burnmouth would be. They wouldn't be second anyway. They wouldn't be unbeaten. They wouldn't have yeah. just beaten the best team in Europe seven two. No, I think they would have lost two games already. I think. Uh, geez, imagine Sheffield United could be off the off the mark after the first game. You know, the, their season could be different. They have no wins. They've got no points so far. Um, I just think Bournemouth would be stinking the place up. I think they lose to Sheffield United in a boring game that nobody cares about, and I think they they lose routinely to Liverpool tonight. And it's just like, well, imagine, imagine Villa weren't there. Like, look what they're bringing. Like, like as, as I talked at the start about. Villa leads and Everton swinging their dicks. That that's what these clubs can do. That no no disrespect, Bournemouth can't do. Watford, even I know they beat Liverpool last year, but they can't they can't do it. They can't be second. They, you know they can't capture the the imagination of the nation. So I just I just dread to think if Villa weren't there, what would have happened? Yeah, and they're they're also not Leeds United or Aston Villa. They're fucking yeah. Bournemouth Athletic. Piss <laughs> off. <laughs> How many should Villa have scored tonight? Ah, like you always, you always miss chances. They got very lucky with some of the deflections. Ah, uh, I don't know. Ah, uh, seven. Go, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna cancel cancel all the deflections 
and score three of the other chances. Right. I'm going to cancel. I'm going to cancel two of the deflections, and yeah, there's probably two goals in. I think that come from Watkins is maybe one on one, maybe one of Barkley's. I'm, I'm I'm like sort of letting one of those be missed as well. What would happen? Actually, hang on. Fuck that. What am I talking about? You score deflections because you're all over a team. You score deflections because you're you're in attacking positions. Villa well, should have scored twelve tonight. Fuck that. <laughs> I know, but you don't score all your deflections normally. Um, ah, fuck that. If you're in the position, you're having shots. If fucking Fabinho's leaning away from a Jack Reilly shot, he deserves to get hit in the stomach and he <laughs> deserves to go into the bottom corner. You're Fuck off. You deserve to concede 12. Jed Steers, Aston Villa's third choice goalkeeper. Actually, do you know what? That leads us on very nicely to the final question we can answer. How bad must Queeveen Kelleher be? <laughs> oh, Christ. Yeah. So if anybody doesn't know, maybe we know him more than other people. Like He's an Irish keeper, so people follow him with interest here. Um, he's Liverpool's third-choice keeper. Um, and he's been in a couple of Ireland squads. Now he's the under-21 keeper. He's actually, he's actually 21 now already, though. So um, he'd sort of want to be getting a move on to be better than Adrian at this stage. <laughs> Jeez, if you're a 16 year old open to make it as a professional footballer you'd want to be better than Adrian um, no and, and <laughs> he was uh, there was a game in the Carling Cup last year between Arsenal and Liverpool, Arsenal and Liverpool and it was 5 all, and it went to it went yeah. to penalties and then of course like you know he saves a penalty and the Irish media are loving it he was fucking terrible I think he was at fault for every goal that game yeah, but yeah, look. If you spend eighty million on a goalkeeper and he's absolutely incredible, you know, you know what a good goalkeeper is. It's it's just surprising that that Adrian's the number two. They could be panicking on Monday yet for transfer deadline day. Final category, man of the match. I don't know why he's building that up like it was going to be a. <laughs> A weird, cool name, man of the match. Uh, we'll call it the Jack Greedish Award. <laughs> um, Watkins, Greedish, or Barkley? I have written down here. Do you have any anything different? Oh, you can get rid of Barkley. Um, Emmy Martinez was very important tonight, but no, it's 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 Greedish or or Watkins. Oh, like he scored a hat trick. It's it's hard not to. Oh, I don't know, Jack Greedish. <laughs> I was going to agree. Yeah, two goals, three assists, and more chances set up, controlling the play again. Again, we said this. I think one of the first podcasts, like people, especially Villa fans, please do not take this for granted. What he does every game, like when he's six out of ten, what he's doing is phenomenal. Like so, just don't ever not appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I don't want to end it on a warning or a. <laughs> <laughs> Or a bum note. Everybody appreciates Jack Greenish. Um, but like what what a start to the season. We we said this after Sheffield United match, after the full match. Now we've just gone and beaten Liverpool 7-2. Villa are second, like we said before. They're not playing now until the 17th of October. By God, it's going to be one of the best international breaks of all time. Happy Sunday night, villains. Get on. 
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 